Happy Places, the podcast that treats theme parks, rides, and attractions like literature. I'm Buddy Duquesne. And I'm Alice White. And welcome to the first of a mini-series that we are calling Birds of Paradise. That's right. Birds of Paradise is our new mini-series about Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room. We're going to have a whole series of episodes uh, of all about the Tiki Room and about its influences and the history of both the Disney Company and the Dole Company's relationship with the nation of Hawaii uh, and all sorts of fun topics related to the uh, to the Tiki Room. Yeah, consider this an ever-expanding uh, kind of spiral where we're going to cover every single facet of the Enchanted Tiki Room uh, exhaustively. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and really, this is going to be a series of shorter episodes where we dive deeply into a bunch of different topics. But our main text, our main focus, our lens through which we will view everything will be Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room. So we thought we would start there. Yes, we're going to start with the Tiki Room. So, buddy, why don't you tell the audience what the Tiki Room is? All right, quick stats on the Enchanted Tiki Room. It is a sit-down show-type attraction. No ride elements are present here. You sit on a bench in a room while the show happens. Uh, The show opened in 1963, Uh, It was originally sponsored by United Airlines. Soon after, the sponsorship transferred to the Dole Pineapple Company. It is the first attraction at Disneyland to feature audio animatronic actors and characters. Uh, So that is very, very important and revolutionary in the themed entertainment business. I would consider the Enchanted Tiki Room a beloved classic not only for myself, but for theme park fandom at large. It is a remarkable show. Absolutely. It it involved, from the get-go, some of the most intensive, most technologically advanced uh, animatronics that anybody had ever seen. Um, And it opened in, did we say what year it opened? In 1963. 1963, Just four years after the annexation of Hawaii. And so it focuses a lot on the uh, the Hawaiian aesthetic, and it takes a lot of inspiration from the tiki culture, which was all the rage through the uh, 40s, 50s, and 60s. Yes, and-, and that's going to be a whole other topic for another episode. But it's important to note that this was like a... Uh, a major stepping stone in the proliferation of tiki culture like now it had met the mainstream it had met disneyland uh it it was uh a attraction at a major popular you know theme park resort so this is kind of a big deal absolutely so uh as you said it is a sit-down attraction Uh, It seats about 230 to 250 people in the room. It's quite quite small. And given that it runs uh, every 15 to 17 minutes or so, that's a fairly high capacity ride. Um, But you can only fit one group of people at a time. So one show runs at a time for about 250-ish people. Um, 
and it's a it's you walk into a into a room it's a dark a very dark theater and you sit around kind of like a theater in the round situation everybody sits on benches around the room not a bad seat in the house um and you sit facing in on like a fountain that's surrounded by little flowers and that's your like centerpiece to start and the room is dark and you can't hardly see anything around you yes uh, now, we should mention that there's a, a little factoid that a lot of people like to um, repeat about that fountain centerpiece, and it's that that fountain centerpiece has a storage compartment beneath it because that fountain centerpiece was supposed to be the fountain centerpiece of the original attraction design that's right which was that of a dinner theater that's absolutely right so the center the fountain was supposed to be like a coffee bar and the uh and the whole place was supposed to be like a dinner theater um but that proved of course to be uh not very feasible with the large crowds that that were in disneyland uh, you couldn't really run a show very often if you've got people sitting there eating multiple courses of of dinner. Uh, and so it became more uh, more feasible to to do it just as a show. And so that's why it's a, a theater in the round kind of situation. Yeah. Uh, so like you said, everybody files in, everybody sits down. The theater in the round arrangement is, if you ask me, ingenious. Um it really kind of opens up the space and also kind of allows for multiple viewing angles that are all, like you said, good. There's yes. no bad views. I do have a preferred view of the Enchanted Tiki Room. It is the back row of any section. <laughs> <laughs> I also like to sit in the back row. I like to sit next to one of the Tiki statues. Yes, I like um, to be really close to them. It's just fun to watch them come to life later. They're so fun. And so sitting, I like to sit in the back. Some people love to sit in the front so that they're right underneath the uh, host birds. Um, but really, there is not a bad seat in the house. And every time you go, you can sit in a different spot and have a different view of the attraction. And it's not going to be drastically different, but it is going to be you could sit closer to your favorite bird. You can sit underneath the tiki like we like to do, uh, or you can sit right underneath the fountain and kind of be fully immersed in that spectacle there in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, and immersion and spectacle are really the name of the game for the Enchanted Tiki Room because the, the room seems simple at first. It seems like it's not going to be that big of a deal. Uh, a cast member wakes up one of the four host birds. His name is Jose. Uh, and he, uh, you know, he, he does a little bit of banter with the audience and then he wakes up the three other host birds. And then it seems like, wow, this is all there is. There's four birds. But it turns out that there will be over 150 audio animatronic figures that sing and dance and interact with the audience it's over the course of the show. Unbelievable how big that spectacle gets once all the lights come up. And when you think that this is the first attraction to use these audio animatronics and that they started with 150 of them, that's ambitious as heck. <laughs> it's And it's huge and you're totally fully surrounded on all sides by birds and flowers, all of which 
can move and move their mouths and dance along with the music that plays. Another really fun fact, speaking of like the technology of this attraction, is that at the time it ran on computers, but it ran on 1963 computers. And the heat generated from the computers was so intense that it necessitated the Enchanted Tiki Room being the first fully air-conditioned building on Disneyland property. Just <laughs> to keep the heat from the computers down. It's, it's amazing. And it still is, to this day, one of the nicest, coolest places to sit in the park. If you're having a long, hot day at the park, you grab yourself a Dole Whip and sit down in the Tiki Room and you'll be all better after yeah, 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a great 15-minute break. But it's it's not just a sit-down like attraction like it, it's so much more than that it, it really is kind of a special experience so yeah. let's talk a little bit about the story or what what passes for a story in the enchanted tiki room sure it's not really much of a of a plot necessarily i mean there's a little bit of a plot that 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 goes on what with the storms and stuff but yeah. it's a for the most part it's a very straightforward little little tale like you said the cast member goes and wakes up jose um, and Jose is our is our main host bird. He's uh, I think the main attraction. Um, and he Jose wakes up and he says, "Wow, look at all the lovely people! It's so good to have you. Let me wake up my friends." And he wakes up Michael. Uh, and so Jose uh, is uh, he's supposed to represent all of the host birds represent different countries. And so Jose represents Mexico. And he wakes up Michael, who represents Ireland. Michael wakes up Pierre, who represents France, and then Pierre wakes up Fritz, who represents Germany. And they all have their super fun little accents, uh, which we can talk about <laughs> another time. Yes, I think and... <laughs> we'll, we'll dive into the lore of the birds in a future episode, because it, it's... The quickest way to say it is they are all caricatures of their nationalities. Definitely. Uh, and it's definitely played for laughs, and those laughs are maybe not so good in maybe not, the year 2020. <laughs> maybe not so so friendly. Um, right. But we can talk about that in, uh, in a future episode. Uh, but these uh, four birds, they start singing. They're welcoming you to the tiki room. And then the lights come on. And you see all of the animatronics. And they're all singing along to uh, <laughs> to the tune we all know and love, the tiki room song. <laughs> In the tiki, 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 tiki room. Uh, <laughs> an original track by the Sherman Brothers and one of the catchiest tunes ever written by humans. It's so uh, catchy and it's, it's so much fun. It's remarkably catchy. You're probably already singing it to yourself after hearing the title. Mm -hmm. Even if you've never been to the Enchanted Tiki Room, it stands out as a, kind of a cultural icon of Disneyland. Um, but it has a wider appeal than that. It's just really simple, repetitive, like I said, catchy, jaunty, energetic. Uh, it's a good song, if a little, uh, a little in the same way that Small World is a little uh, nerve-rending. <laughs> just a little too repetitive, but yeah. in a way that is like super fun for kids. And one of the best parts about the Tiki Room song, one of the best features in the song, is when they invite you to sing along with them. Yeah. It, Join it us now in another chorus is the top of the third chorus, I believe. And yeah. suddenly it's interactive. And then you get to sing along with the bird, your bird friends. <laughs> and of course, you already know the chorus because it is in the Tiki 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 Room. And it's just like... <laughs> I couldn't ask for an easier 
<laughs> an easier chorus to learn. Thank you, birds. Thank you, I'm birds. In. Thank you for teaching us this uh, adorable little tune and then inviting us to also sing it with you. And that's that's one of the things that makes the Tiki Room so special. I think it's not just a show. You're not just there to watch. You're there to play along. And it's not the only time they will invite you to sing along either. No. Um, and so this turns the whole experience into one that you can that you can join along with. So they sing a handful of songs. All of them are good. We'll talk about them in detail um, at some point. Though we're all singing so loud and so joyfully that a thunderstorm starts. Oh no! Oh no! And a thunderstorm starts, and and the birds say, "Oh, I think we've you know I think we've angered the gods with our um." With all of our joyfulness, all our celebration. The gods have been angered with all the celebrating, says Michael. Uh, says Michael. Which is, <laughs> it's it's a uh, it's an odd line that we will return to, uh, <laughs> and it's also the only conflict in the show. Uh, right. Is that there there is a storm that starts up, um, that that kind of as the tiki room the tiki room has several layers of quote-unquote waking up right like first we wake up jose then we wake up the other hosts then we wake up the glee club then we wake up the The flowers flowers. and then we finally end up waking up the tiki gods yes uh who who kind of turn the flowers' song into a more militaristic the title of the song is hawaiian war chant which we will, uh, we will, we will, we will, we will address. To. We will get there, um, and that feels a little bit more menacing than the rest of the show, and it culminates in the beginning of the thunderstorm. Um, but almost immediately after, it is completely calm, and the show ends. Uh, so, is there really an arc here? Is there really a conflict? Not really. Um, but that moment of building intensity when the whole room feels alive and even the outside world seems to join in to what's happening in the Enchanted Tiki yeah, room. Yeah, that fake thunderstorm. When I was a little kid, that fake thunderstorm always felt so real. The, it looks really good. The, the windows, windows go dark and yeah. they shimmer like there's rain falling down them outside. And and it really shakes the space with how yeah. loud that like bass boom is of that thunder. And then they, you know, they, yes, they wind down and they say, oh, we need to, you know, relax. This was too much. But the, you do get one final song to kind of like uh like a it's not just a goodbye song but it's like a like a celebration of what we experienced here together yeah. you heard the birdie sing <laughs> exactly and they, the they sum it all did up their thing. <laughs> the tiki's did their chant <laughs> and then they all light up at little parts and and the best why we like to sit in the back is those tiki's that like line the very back wall their eyes open and start looking at you and it's it's really cool yeah uh, a room a room that truly feels magical when it is doing its thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, for for a concept for a themed space, the Enchanted Tiki Room is brilliant in its simplicity. It's a living room, right? Not yeah. a living room, but a, a room living, that lives. A living room, right. Yeah. Every inch of the space gets involved in the story that it wants to tell. And um, it, it's... Um, it's fantastic at generating a um, an atmosphere 
uh, I mean, that's uh, I hate to say it with these classic Disney rides and attractions. So much of it is based on creating an atmosphere that is iconic and recognizable and emotionally moving and not really focusing on a specific plot. You know what I mean? Right. And that's fine, of course. Yeah. Oh, um, no, that's part of what makes them so special. Right. Is you get to go and you get to live in a space for a minute. And it is like, I mean, like what Disney was always going for in the first place, right? To create some kind of like tangible magic that you can feel. You walk into the Tiki Room and especially to audiences in 1963, um, maybe their first experience with any kind of like polynesian culture or at all right like they're for like oh my gosh i really felt like i was in hawaii is something that <laughs> whatever you, that means whatever that means <laughs> to audiences in 1963 who may be aware as like well traveled as we are now kind of thing or, sure. or well versed in what you know hawaii actually is or means yeah and that's um and that's cool but it also lends itself to a lot more questions and a lot more things to discuss which is what this series is all about yeah i mean if we wanted to do one episode on the uh walt disney's enchanted tiki room this is probably where we would end it right we would talk about the ride or the attraction rather its atmosphere what makes it important and unique uh, we might uh, apply a couple of the larger ideas that we're going to jump into in each of the subsequent episodes of Birds of Paradise. <laughs> but, you know, what's so interesting about Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room is how many layers of questions we have for it and, and how intricate and deep the history goes. And I can't wait to dive into some of these larger questions. I mean... 1963, like you said earlier, is just four years after Hawaii was granted statehood. It officially became the 50th, 50th state in 1959. Right. That is a loaded time period for the people of Hawaii. It's a loaded time period for the United States. It's a loaded time period in general. The 1960s are a time of great social change and upheaval in the United States. How does the Tiki Room figure into all of that? There's influences from all around the world in the Tiki Room. Why? <laughs> it's just like an interesting question. Like, why are there four birds from around the world and not from Hawaii or America? It seems odd. It does. Um, why is the Dole Pineapple Company such a maybe controversial um, sponsor for this attraction? You know? Uh, these questions and more on Birds of Paradise, <laughs> uh, a new series from Those Happy Places. Uh, Alice, I can't wait to dive in. No, this is going to be really fun. We've done a lot of research and we've reached out to a lot of interesting people to talk to over the course of this series, which we will publish hopefully once a week for the entire month of April. This is April 2020. We are in the middle of a bit of a self-isolation. So we are, um, we're working really hard to bring you just the, the very best content on this topic that we that we can. And we're trying to, one of the, the, the points that we're, that we're trying to, to do here, um, the real like reason we're here is we, we want to be respectful and give you like honest coverage of this of this topic which can be really like difficult and traumatic for a lot of different people and we 
we want to acknowledge that and we want to do it the justice that it deserves so we're we're reaching out to people who are way smarter than us on these topics and we're and we're really going to try and do our best to give you just the um the most thorough coverage you've seen on this uh on this topic and i i hope i hope you all like it we're we're really excited yeah i mean we would not give this much time if we didn't think it was important if we didn't think that the enchanted tiki room had something unique about it to say uh we of course try to do this for every attraction that we cover but with the amount of time that we have in our hands (laughs) we figure we can go the extra mile and really dive deep into this specific attraction there are so many little ways that this ride reflects disneyland disney as a company america California as, as a nation <laughs> California as a place uh closest to Hawaii uh in and, general and and very dear to Disney's heart and to yeah. the design of and of, of the space of Disneyland so this is this is going to be huge it's going to be really big so expect we don't even know how many episodes this is going <laughs> to end up being so um, I can't wait I'm so excited thank you so much everybody for coming along for the ride um, and biggest, most specialist thanks to Aslam Chaudhry and Charles Gustine for being our uh, our our patrons on yeah. our Patreon. Yeah, the two of them are donating at the D ticket level, which you can also donate at, and we will read your name at some point in every episode of those happy places <laughs> sure um, and if that's not a level that you think you can contribute at um there are many levels with many different uh fun perks uh including lots and lots of bonus content yeah um so you can head on over to patreon.com slash those happy places to access all of that yeah uh and you know alice we may be doing a lot of talking about uh the enchanted tiki room over the course of the next month um and a lot of that conversation is going to happen online yes online uh the best place to find us the easiest place to get a hold of us is on twitter the show is on twitter at happy places pod um and i am on twitter and on instagram at alice white thp for those happy places and i'm at buddy underscore duquesne duquesne is spelled d-u-q-u-e-s-n-e and if you want to talk to us in more detail than twitter will allow you can (laughs) always find our discord server for those happy podcasts which includes all of the podcasts we host including um the joust or giving the gift of murder or the recently reignited rogue fun a podcast story which alice uh is just so amazing to have back um, it's so good to be back with uh, with Rogue Fun. That is for for Star Wars fans of all types. Uh, and if you want to talk about it, or if you want to talk about anything, especially the Tiki Room, go ahead and contact us, and we will link you to our Discord server, which is called Those Happy Podcasts. And uh, um, ooh, Alice, I believe I will be adding some music to this episode. And where would you have found that music? I'm not sure yet, but this is where I'm going to record the music credit. Hey, this is Buddy Duquesne of the future, recording the music credit as promised by Buddy Duquesne of the past. Uh, Here I am. I found some great music on the free music archive on an album called Two Zombies Later, Volume 1. Here are the tracks that I used in this episode. Uh, I used Acapulco 2000 by Jack Fetterman and the Hi-Fi 
music direction. I used Bongo Avenger by Eric and Ryan Kilkenny. I used uh, Exotica Revisited by Jeff Chenault and Andrew Isold. I even used Jungle Village by Der Plan. And I used our theme music, The Lonely Bull, by Scotch in Soda, or Max McMillan. And I also used a Those Happy Places classic, In Your Arms by Kevin McLeod. You can find all of this on the freemusicarchive.org under Creative Commons 4.0 Attribution License. Good. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. Uh, Alice, thank you for doing this show with me and for jumping into this crazy project. I'm I'm all in, bud. You know I am. I love this topic, and I'm so excited to make more. You're the best co-host a girl could ask for. No, you're the best. <laughs> and to everyone out there, thank you for listening, and we hope you return to those happy places. <laughs>